This is your host, Heather Petropoulos, recording live from my home studio in Brooklyn, New York, bringing you the Photo Mixed Tapes podcast. Hello and welcome to the 13th episode of season four, my lovely audience. Even though this episode will be one solo track, the 10th and final chapter of Please Respond By, I wanted to start with an introduction for several reasons. The first and most important is that Please Respond By was my first foray into horror writing, and it was always meant to be a kind of over-the-top allegorical horror story. So it ends really badly and horrifically. I didn't present it during the last episode of a couple of weeks ago because of the latest violence in the world, but I realized with the quakes in both my own small world and in the big world, there is no good time to present something so horrific. If I'm using the standards of it being a good time in the world, I can only rely upon the intelligence of my audience to know if it's a good time for them to travel down the path of scary and violent fiction. And if they do, to realize the world of fiction is fictitious and not meant to harm anyone or anything. I also wanted to share the funny fact that I am recording in my bathroom. (laughs) My neighborhood has gotten so much louder these past couple of years. I condition my apartment with several different varieties of white noise. I actually find brown noise to be the most effective and sounds of nature to create an environment for myself that's conducive to creation and sleep. But sometimes I can't drown it out enough to create a good, clean recording of the podcast. So, in a little while, when you're having trouble digesting the tragic ending of the story, forgive me by picturing me holed up in the world's tiniest bathroom in Brooklyn to record it, and hopefully, smile. I also wanted to solidify the slide back to presenting episodes on Sunday nights. This will be the norm going forward. Episodes every other Sunday. The Friday thing was something fun to try, but just didn't work out with my other schedule and commitments. And I like the feeling of starting a new week together. So I hope you like the new time slot. And I hope the time in between episodes gives you a chance to reach out and catch up on other episodes you may have missed. I will be soon looking for ways to get to work on screenplays for the two stories I've written, and I may start to work on an autobiography of sorts. I'm also loving creating new photo-mixed media projects by editing photographs with drawings and watercolors. I'm learning a lot about color theory, etc., and gearing up to be able to share some of these new creations soon. If you have any collaboration ideas or just want to chat, you can always hit me up at Heather at photomixtapes.com or in a review of the podcast on iTunes. And until we meet again, I wish you the best sights, stories, and sounds as you create your own mixed media life. Please respond by the 10th and final chapter. Mary Parkson had just gotten into bed after her pies were baked and the table was set for Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow with her daughter, newly back in Chicago, and she was exhausted from making special plans for their dinner guest. The phone interrupted her drift. Maybe it was him, 
Is this Mary Parkson? Mary's heart leapt into her throat. Dr. Lewis Case Files, August 2004. This is never an easy decision, but I have decided to terminate with patient Abigail Willison as of this last session date of August 23, 2004. Miss Willison continued to violate patient-doctor boundaries by inviting me to these gatherings she organized, always saying it was because she wanted me to see her business life, but she had never even had a business. She would come into her sessions in a panic about my not answering her invitations. Even when I would try to steer the conversation toward the very recent death of her long-term boyfriend, Bobby, she behaved as if that never even happened, and that's not why she started seeing me in the first place. I am also concerned that she has stopped taking her medications, and I'm afraid that the doctor-patient relationship is never going to be maintained. I have referred her for a consultation with Dr. Silvestri, as I think she may eventually need some inpatient time. One detail I didn't want to forget. During her last session today, she opened her wallet to pay cash for the session, and a picture of her best friend and her girlfriend kissing fell out. When I asked her about it, she said that it was their photograph and she had to return it to them. It was striking to me because it looked like it had been in that wallet for a long time. When I asked her if she ever felt like she was a danger to herself or others, she said that nothing was planned after Joy's birthday weekend, so why would she be anywhere to harm anyone? I believe that she might very well be crossing into psychopathy. I will call Dr. Silvestri now and make sure he has background if she calls. Jules is thrown off from seeing that figure enter and leave the talk and is searching for her car keys before leaving the building into the all-too-familiar Chicago snow. On the bottom of her purse is an envelope with Abigail's return address at the hospital that she never opened. Having not gotten a new therapist yet in Chicago, she was following Dr. Mann's suggestion that it was best to open things like this with support. But Jules usually stubbornly ignored counsels, so she thought, why not see what her psycho ex-friend who ruined her entire life wanted? Maybe it would be the apology that would never in a million years come. Jules knew that they had hid the finality of the investigation from Abigail in the hospital, and she also knew what would be waiting for her when she was released. She forgets about her car keys in a mix of flashbacks about freshman orientation when they first met right here in this place and tearing open the small envelope. You are cordially invited to the wedding, in quotes, of Abigail Willison and Julie Parkson, destined to be friends forever. Uh, What? Before she can even finish reading, Jules hears someone walking outside but can't see anyone. Maybe Dr. Mann had been right all along, and she should just read things like this with support. It was too crazy alone, and now her ears were playing nasty tricks on her. She digs one more time for her car keys and notices a second car parked right next to hers in the parking lot. But she has to get home so she can get some rest before Mom's surprised tomorrow. Ah, the familiar feeling, finally, of her keychain. 
She opens the lobby door to that familiar wind and the most gentle snowflakes falling nonplussed by the wind. Melissa Etheridge's I'm the Only One comes on the radio and Jack smiles at the memories of Jesse, Jules, and him, singing that the first night they met. He is so excited to be here to reunite for Thanksgiving this year, and he starts to dial Miss Parkson's phone number to check if she needs him to pick up anything from the all-night grocery store before heading in with his luggage, hoping his surprise for her that he's arriving tonight instead of tomorrow is okay with her. He doesn't want to startle her with such a late call. He notices the snow is beautiful and sticking on the trees, and he looks up at the house. He sees only one light on and hears what sounds like a muffled screaming. It must just be the wind playing tricks on his ears. The phone is busy, so he gets out of the car and starts toward the house, hoping to catch Miss Parkson awake. Just then... Jules hears and feels why this feeling of metal and she can taste metal a loud pop like a she feels faint and wet why wet her stomach is leaking and she falls on the steps her purse opens and spills everywhere she tries to scream but She looks down at her own blood on the small white card. Dots of red on RSVP. I don't care how you respond, Jules, but please respond by. Bye.